This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we are discussing today Hanukkah. And the miracle of Hanukkah occurred more than 2,100 years ago. 2,100 years ago. During the time of the Second Temple. It occurred around the, the year 3222 of creation or 218 years after the miracle of Purim. So imagine, just 218 years after Purim, the Jews were in Shushan, we talked about the Persians, and the, the Greeks came and conquered the Persian Empire. The Greek Empire split into four parts. You had the Northern Kingdom, which is the Seleucid. You had the Eastern Kingdom, which was under Antigonus. You had the Southern Kingdom under the Ptolemies. And you had the Kingdom in Greece, which is under the Philip. So the four parts is split into. Israel was under the Ptolemies in Egypt for about a hundred years, and then the Greeks seized it. The Greeks in Syria seized it from Ptolemies in Egypt, and that's when the trouble started. So the first king we were under was Antiochus III. Antiochus III was fine. He conquered Israel from the Greek Egyptians, and he lowered the taxes. He gave us a tax break for three years, and he let the Jews worship the way they were. However, his son apparently changed. His son changed everything. Antiochus IV, who was nicknamed Epiphanes, which is great. And uh, they, they nicknamed him the crazy man. The Jews nicknamed him the crazy man. So uh, Antiochus IV, the question is, what happened to Antiochus IV? And the answer is probably based on the history, is he tried to invade Egypt, which is under the Ptolemies. So he came from Syria, he went through Israel, came to, uh, to conquer Egypt. The first time he tried, he failed. second time he tried, he nearly f- succeeded. But the Romans, who were an ascending power at that time, warned him to get out. So he got out, just like Israel in the 56th war. Israel conquered the Sinai, and America, and, and America says, get out of the Sinai. Even though they were accompanied with the French and the British. 56, remember 56. But they were told by America to get out, they got out. So same thing over here, he conquered Egypt, imagine, he conquered Egypt. But the Romans, the ascending power, told him, get out. So he left with his tail between his feet. However, on the way back, he goes into Israel. And he goes in, and he's in a bad mood. And he ransacks the temple, takes all the gold from the temple. He causes a big eruption over there, and he goes mad and berserk. And Okay, so that's, that's when the story of Hanukkah started, under Antiochus IV. Which is interesting because we don't find in history that the Greeks ever tried to impose or, t- or tried to interfere with someone else's religion. The Greeks were pagans. For a pagan, one god more, one god less, doesn't make a difference. So, okay, so you worship a different god, I worship a different god. We'll add it to our list, no problem. Over here is the only time in history we find the Greeks interfering in people's religions. So the question is why? Was it a, a Greek thing or was it an internal Jewish fight between the Hellenistic Jews against the religious Jews. And that's what it seems today they're coming around to this idea that it was an internal fight, which is aided and abetted by the Greeks. So the Greeks, okay, of course the Greeks want, to, want, the, want the Jews to be more Greek. So they were on the side of the Greeks who want to be more Greek. And they were the ones who were fighting the Jews, fighting the other Jews. And they called it reinforcements. They just couldn't contain them. They called them reinforcements all the time. So when the second temple, a second Beit HaMikdash was built, the Persian Empire ruled over most of the civilized world, including Yehuda, the rehabilitated state of Judah. 
So it's interesting because in the Second Temple period, Israel was never completely independent. It was the first time it was under the Persians. You had to pay tribute, you had to pay taxes to the Persians. And then it's under the Greeks, and you had to pay taxes to the Greeks. And then it was under the Romans, and you paid taxes to the Romans. There was never true independence. So even when the Maccabees declared independence, it was not really true independence. It was based on the great powers around giving the permission to rule. But usually they had to pay taxes. They either paid taxes to the Greeks, they paid taxes to the Romans, or before they paid taxes to the Persians. So today's independence is much greater than the independence they had in those days. We have to really understand that. That today we have total independence. We're not under any power, even though you may say, you know, America has a lot of influence. They're not bound by America. So they don't have to listen to anyone. They don't have to pay taxes to anyone. In fact, America gives us money, which is amazing. But in in Jewish history, we never had that. So even the second commonwealth, second building of the temple, they never had true independence like we have today. So in the first temple period, yes, they had true independence. King David never paid taxes to anyone. He fought off the Philistines. He got freedom completely from the Philistines. No taxes to anyone, and they beat other countries. And they had to pay him taxes. But in the second temple, they were never free. Never totally free of uh, foreign interference. So Rambam writes, and we, we talked a bit about this. Rambam writes, during the era of the second temple, the ruling Greek emperors imposed decrees upon the Jewish nation, forbidding them to practice the Jewish religion. They prohibited the study of Torah and the observance of the mitzvot. They applied great pressure on the people to force them to comply. Furthermore, the Greek overlords abused the people physically, taking away their women and their property, and their whip. The Greek soldiers forced their way into the holy sanctuary of the temple, breaching its protective walls, contaminated the pure and sacred supplies designed for use in the holy service. The Greeks sorely oppressed the Jewish people for many years until Hashem, the God of our fathers, had mercy on them and delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. But you're saying they wouldn't have done this without the question. Yes, exactly. This is the part that Rambam does not talk about is the aiding and abetting of the Jewish Hellenists, they were called. See, what happened was the wealthier class of Jews and like just like today the wealthier class of Jews tries to assimilate into the culture why? I do business with non-Jews I need to look more non-Jewish I do, I, I want to get a government favor I want to print their uh, say currency, I want to I uh, print coins, I want to do much, I want to have business dealings with other countries, so I want to look further than the people who don't do that they don't, they're, they're busy with their Judaism and I'm busy looking at the the distant horizons. So people who were busy looking at distant horizons who want to make money, they were the people who wanted to assimilate into the Greek system. So there were brothers, unfortunately, there were brothers who were Kohanim, priests. And one of them was very a righteous brother, Onias, very big tzaddik. Unfortunately, he got thrown out by his brother Jason. As you can see by the name Jason, it's already a very assimilated name, but he wasn't that bad. He had another brother, Menelaus, was from a different family, and he knocked him out. And each one would go to the, to the uh, Antiochus and ask for favors and buy, uh, buy the office of high priest, basically. They would buy it from each other. Whoever was the highest bidder would get it. And whoever's more Greek would get it. And therefore, they were the ones who asked for help against the local population. Local population doesn't want a priest who's a Hellenist. They want a priest who's a Jew. This guy comes in, he changes everything, wants to make uh, a different culture, build the gymnasiums, 
the Greek gymnasium in Jerusalem. They wanted to make Jerusalem. They, they changed the name of Jerusalem to Antioch. Imagine. Changed the name of Jerusalem to Antioch. It's a Jew who's an Hellenist. He wants to make Jerusalem a cosmopolitan uh, city. So the Greeks came in. Sure, we'll help you. Sure, we'll help you. How we'll help you? We'll build a massive fortress called the Acra. The Acra uh, fortress just outside the temple. This way they could put their garrison to enforce law and order in Jerusalem. A lot of the Jews left. They were either thrown out or they left. It, just, it wasn't a Jewish city anymore. They made Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, into a Greek town called Antioch. Imagine. Hard to imagine. So that's what caused this massive insurgency. Although it seems like it wasn't such a massive insurgency. It was more guerrilla warfare. Because you couldn't face the Greek army face to face. So this is one of the things that Yudha Maccabee really started. It was the guerrilla warfare. So the Jews would go, attack, and retreat to the mountain hideouts. Attack, mountain hideouts, run in. <coughs> so mainly night raids, right? Guerrilla raids at night. But they, they beat they beat the Greeks. The Greeks, they just worn out, wore out. From... So it's a miracle, really, in a sense, that they won the war. There's two miracles in Hanukkah. One is winning the war against the Greeks, which is a tremendous miracle. The, the war was really over 20 years. It was a 20-year war, many battles, until finally even... Judah Maccabee was killed in one of the battles. He was killed, and uh, two of his brothers were killed. So there are two left. Yonatan, Jonathan, and Shimon. Jonathan and Shimon. Jonathan was first the leader, and then he was also killed with treachery in his own family. Treachery in his own family. His son-in-law kills him. And then the last one was Shimon. And Shimon was the one who was appointed king. So Shimon became the high priest and the king. And uh, the... the uh, dynasty came through him, through Shimon. Anyway, so the Greeks oppressed the Jewish people for many years. I'm just quoting you the Rambam. Until Hashem had mercy on them, delivered from the hands of their oppressors. The sons of Hashemonai overcame the Greek overlords and slew them, freeing the nation of Israel from the tyranny. They established a dynasty of kings from among the Kohanim. This is the Rambam. And Israel became once more a sovereign nation whose independent reign lasted for more than 200 years until the second temple was destroyed. Now, the Rambam, again, glosses over history. It's true that Israel was, but it wasn't really totally independent. It wasn't independent at all. It was under the Romans. Eventually, it became under the Romans. Plus, Israel was not dominated by the Maccabees, only for 103 years, until Herod, who married into the Maccabean family, who was a descendant of the Edomians, Edom, took over. So it was 103 years Maccabees, 103 years Herod and his family. So Rambam puts it all together, we got 200 years, but the truth is it wasn't, it wasn't a really a good situation. So maybe the first 20 or 30 years of the, of the Maccabees was good, wholesome, Jewish, and then it totally deteriorated later on. And he had fights in the family, and they're the ones who invited in the Romans to help them. So the Roman conquest started. So we Jews, we fought among ourselves. It was a ter- tragic Destruction of the temple, again, first temple was destroyed because of three cardinal sins, the, the Talmud says. The second temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. Where's the hatred? And the answer is brothers. Brothers are fighting each other for who's going to be king. So the brothers are fighting each other. Each one calls in the Romans. The, the Romans come into the highest bidder. Whoever is more amenable to them, actually, they took, actually, they didn't take the highest bidder, they took the weaker brother. They made the weaker brother king so that they could dominate him. The tougher brother lost. Who was going to win? But the Romans came in. There were two brothers, Hyrcanus and Aristobulus. Hyrcanus was weak, and Aristobulus was strong. And the Romans captured Aristobulus, put him, make him walk through Rome, 
and eventually had him assassinated and Hercules, the weaker brother, took over and weaker brother was eventually dominated by Herod. Herod comes in and takes over. Anyway, so it's a very sad story. The story of Hanukkah is we celebrate Hanukkah, but the truth is that the only thing good about Hanukkah was the temple was rededicated. The service of the temple continued for a hundred and so years. And but look, we have to be thankful for whatever good we have. Jewish history is black. So whatever light there was in Jewish history, we celebrate. So the same thing applies today. It may not be an ideal situation in Israel, but it's way better than what we ever had. People don't really appreciate that. People complain about Israel. Even the guys that live there, they don't appreciate what they have. But you know what? It's way better than we've had in the last thousands of years. So we have to appreciate what we have. We have to really thank God. You know, People don't thank God enough for what we have. It can always be better. I'm not saying it can't be better. Of course it can be better. But first you've got to appreciate what you have. And then make it better. Not, don't appreciate it at all. But you've got to appreciate it. This is one of the lights in Jewish history. So that's the reason why we light the Hanukkah candles. Because there was a miracle of light. Why? God is telling you, even in the darkest times of Jewish history, you have to appreciate what you have. You have the Maccabees, you have the kings, Jewish kings. Appreciate what you have. Oh, if you don't appreciate it, I'm going to take it away from you. And sure enough, it was taken away because the Romans steps in. And eventually they destroyed the temple. Just when Herod renovated it, it looked the best it's ever looked in history, the Romans destroyed it. Imagine, imagine. It didn't last long. Herod's temple lasted maybe 30 years. 40 years max. Imagine he built this beautiful temple. He made it such a massive... It's the Gemara says, if you haven't seen the temple of Herod, you never see a beautiful, a beautiful building in your life. If you haven't seen that building, you haven't seen a beautiful building in your life. So you can imagine how beautiful it was. It was known as one of the wonders of the world. Second temple? Second temple, under Herod. Because Ezra and Nehemiah built the second temple. It was a small little dinky building. It wasn't, it wasn't one of the masters of you know, architecture. It was a poor building. Poor Jews built a poor building. It was a poor structure. And eventually, you know, over a hundred years later, they maybe built it and built it and built it, but eventually Herod came along and he rebuilt the whole thing. And today you can still see, you can still see the massive stones that he brought in. And each stone has a frame. I mean, he had these, these fantastic buildings. What is buildings are fantastic? Masada. Imagine you build a building on a rock. How do you build a building? How do you carry those stones up the rock? I mean, it's amazing how, you know, uh, you go to Hebron, you see the, the building around Machpelah. It's all Herod's stones. You see the building. Herod was a massive engineer. He was a const- he was, his thing was construction. And killing Jews. <laughs> Killed so many rabbis. Herod. Okay. So what you have to do here, Hanukkah really is celebrating light. A little bit of light in the darkness. We had a little bit of light in the darkness in Jewish history. We celebrate that light. So what better way to celebrate it? There's a miracle of light. Why is there a miracle of light? Hashem says, appreciate the light. You have a little bit of light in the darkness, you have to celebrate. Like today, you have a little bit of light with Israel, you have to celebrate it. There's no, you can't deny the light. The only difference is, in those days, they had a miracle to show that they were right. And once I'm sure, in those days, same thing. People say, the Maccabees, they're bad, they're no good. Look what they did. They're Kohanim, they became thing. God says, you know, I'm going to make a miracle to show that has my seal of approval. Like today also, we need a, we need a miracle like that to say, then the rabbis wake up and say, you know what? This is a miracle from God. So we had a miracle. 67 was a miracle. But, you know, people don't see it that way. They should see it that way. They don't see it that way. So we are free in our own land. We've never been so free as we've, you know, even in the time of Hanukkah, we've never been free. They had the Greeks, they had the Romans. They... So we have to appreciate what we have. We really have to appreciate. That's one of the lessons from Hanukkah, is appreciate what you have. 
Same thing in Purim. And the Gemara says, why don't we say Halel on Purim? And the answer is, because Purim never changed anything. Ahasuerus was the king before, Ahasuerus was the king after. The Jews were in exile before, and the Jews were in exile after. So there's no Halel on Purim. Hanukkah is better. Why? There's Halel on Hanukkah. Why is there Halel on Hanukkah? Because it's true freedom in our land. We have freedom in our land. That's Halel. Halel is when you have freedom. A miracle which involves Israel is Halel. You say Halel. A miracle which is outside Israel, there's no Halel. So Purim, with all that, you know, we're celebrating Purim. It's a much bigger miracle today. It's a much bigger miracle today. It's a miracle in our land. We have free freedom. Look how many Jews are learning Torah today. You never had it before. People that just open their eyes a little bit. Okay. Anyway, it can always be better. It can always be better. We have to appreciate what we have. It's definitely better than Hanukkah times. It's definitely better than Purim times. Oh, well, people have to open their eyes. It's not as good as Hezkiel. Nearly as good. So, everyone, you know, the miracle of the miracle of Hanukkah involved two things. Number one is winning this war. You're fighting one of the superpowers. It's a superpower. The uh, Syrian Greeks were a superpower, no question. The kind of lands they, they conquered and, and ruled. Uh, the superpower, there was Greece, and there was Rome, and there was Egypt. Three superpowers over there. And we're surrounded by all three. And Rome was up and coming, really was up and coming. But it's a miracle, the fact that the Jews survived. Uh, and uh, won't beat the Greeks. I mean, that's amazing. Beat the Greeks. That's amazing. So that's when the victory took place. Chanu, Kafe, rest on Kafe, Bekislev, that's what Chanukah. The Kafe is very important. And Kafe in the Torah generally is a very important name. Aviarkov, Akor, Kafe, Kafe. Kafe is a very powerful name, one of the names of holy names in the Torah. So Chanukah is very powerful that. Cafe, 25th of Kislev, which was meant to be the dedication of the Mishkan in the first time they built the Mishkan, but it was postponed, the Mishkan's dedication was postponed to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, but over here it came out. So Hashem says, don't dedicate the Mishkan on the 25th of Nisan of Kislev, I have something later on. And this is the dedica- rededication of the temple, 25th of Kislev, and it really was messed up. The temple was messed up because the Greeks worship their gods. They put their idols in the temple and they had a major job cleaning the temple and removing the idols and purifying everything and in those days everything was tahara, tumah, purity and impurity and they had to repurify the whole temple and that's where the story of Hanukkah comes in. Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen Amen Rabbi Hananiah You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com